0: So we're going to do a series called Grow. And just as Nathan was playing for us and talking about how sometimes it's just better to be, I was reminded of my weaknesses. I've grown up with a desire to perform. And I don't know if it was my mom or my dad uh, constantly saying, oh, you need to study harder. You need to get better grades. You need to dress better. You need to be skinnier, you need to be fatter, whatever. Uh, But a lot of my worth uh, has been put into performing or looking good. Um, So you're saying, well, you're not that good of a performer, Dave, so you must really feel bad about yourself. Yes, on a regular basis. Um, But, um, and I see how this has kind of seeped into my parenting. You know, things change when you start having kids and they, your kids start to reflect you, right? And uh, the funny thing is, you know, growing up, a uh, pastor's kid, I would be like, I'm never going to be like my dad. We'd get in trouble or he'd lose his temper. And I'd be like, I'm never going to be like that. I'm going to be nice to my kids. I'm going to give them whatever they want, right? I'm going to have a, you know, be calm and even keel and be gracious and merciful at all times, right? And um, sure enough, I'm just like my dad, right, at times. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that I, that's very scary is when uh, Cameron or Isaiah will throw a tantrum or they'll stress out. Cam, Cameron really stresses out, and so does Isaiah. He very, gets very stressed out when he's kind of a perfect, perfectionist, and he gets stressed out when he makes a mistake and he, like, he's building blocks and they keep tumbling, it's not looking right. All of a sudden he'll just knock them all down and go, "Ah, I hate this. I hate this. Get away from me, I hate you." You know And all that stress and frustration that's coming up, you catch like glimpses and tones of yourself, and you're like, "Ah, right? <laughs> they're getting this from me, right?" And, and so that's a very scary thing. and uh, it's a temptation for me. Um, As a parent, uh, especially when I look at other parents and compare myself to them or compare my kids to other parents, you parents uh, do this a lot, and I talk to other parents about raising kids, and I'm always struck by my own temptation. The temptation is to figure out um, what programs or activities or educational opportunities that I need to, I must get Isaiah and Cameron into. How I need to push him or her into this or that. Like if I'm not doing enough, then they're not gonna be excellent students or excellent people or excellent artists or excellent sports people. And so um, I have this vision for my children, right? And I lay out that vision or a picture, and I have this ideal of what Isaiah should be, or what Cameron should be. And probably all of us had parents, right? Uh, we know the expectations that our parents had on us. They had a vision for you. The problem is, your vision did not fit their vision, and that's where conflict happened, right? And so, for me, you know, I want Isaiah to be a good athlete. I want Isaiah to be taller than I am. I want Isaiah to play violin, play piano, but also be a a guy's guy, right? Be able to get dirty and go rock climbing and play football, right? I want him to be smart and get good grades and be funny too. I want him to be well-mannered, right? Polite and courteous and uh, know when to speak. But I also want him to be gregarious and spontaneous, right? I want the best of everything for my children, Um, But what do I really believe? Do I really believe this? Is this what I know to be true about life, about scripture, about the kingdom of heaven, about who Jesus is? As parents, Janice and I are actually stewards of our children's growth and upbringing. We don't own our children. God owns our children. Right. God's in charge of their life. God is growing them up. Uh, So we don't own Isaiah. We don't own Cameron. Uh, He's the Lord. She's the Lord. In fact, I don't think any parent should believe any differently or act any differently than Hannah. See, I'm tying it into the scripture that was read, not out of context. Hannah, who could not have children. And I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we talked about how Hannah's song is very similar to Mary's song, right? And giving praise to God for uh, granting her the blessing of a child. And uh, the thing about Hannah is after she was weeping and crying and desiring and desiring a child, that was the, the thing she most wanted to have. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. Once she received that gift, she offered that gift back uh, to God. And so in in this, we glean from the passage that was read by Nathan that she offered Samuel's life up to the temple, to the priest. Um, And then she visited him regularly. But his life was given back to the Lord. And that's crazy, right? Right? What does it mean to be stewards of our children's life or of our own life? You may not have kids, but you have gifts, you have talents, you have a life, right? And you have plans, you have a vision for yourself. But to say, my life is not my own, that's, that's the truth. My life is not my own, and I am a steward of my body. I am a steward of my heart. I'm a steward of my mind. I'm a steward of my talents. I'm a steward of my gifts, right? And all of these things belong to God, right? And I'm nurturing that. I'm growing that. I'm following his vision. And I think this is a radical departure um, from our kind of Western individualistic mindset, which says, this is my prerogative, right? This is, I can do what I want. No one tells me what I can do. I can be whoever I want. And um, But everything belongs to God. I can remember, um, I was actually born a twin in Hawaii, Honolulu, Hawaii, in Kapiloni Hospital. And my twin ended up dying in infancy. And my dad went through a bout of depression. And at the time, he was beginning to pray about and talk to uh, a, a pastor of a of. A, the English-speaking church about planting a Japanese-Korean church in Hawaii. And and then this happened, this tragedy happened, and he was depressed. He was just absolutely depressed. He didn't want to do anything. He just slept in, you know. Well, one day, uh, he was walking around uh, trying to pray, and he just felt filled by the Spirit. God saying, "I want you to be my minister." And um, he was crying out like, "God, please, bring joy back into my life. God, please bring your vision back into my life. God,, pr- please bring happiness back into my life." And he said, "I'll do anything you want. I'll even offer my son David. you know, I'm going to offer his life uh for your service kind of like hannah and uh samuel and i'm thinking I, when he tells the story i'm like thanks a lot dad <laughs> right i wasn't there i wasn't able to make a choice or a decision you just gave my life up to god now look where i am fast oh, dang it right so i spent half of my life avoiding church avoiding becoming a pastor i'm never gonna be like my dad i'm never gonna do that It was unavoidable, right? Because of that dang prayer. (laughs) My life is not God, or my life is not mine. Let's read the scripture, and we'll go from there. Our scripture today comes from Luke 2, 41 through 52, and I've entitled the sermon, An Unexpected Journey, and our series is called Grow, just grow, right? What does it mean for us to grow as Christians? What What does it mean for us to grow as people? What does it mean for us to grow in faith, to grow spiritually, to grow um, as loving people? Um, So we're going to talk about that in the next uh, seven weeks or so. But our passage from Luke 2, 41 through 52 says, Each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. After the festival was over, they were returning home. But the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know. Supposing that he was among their band of travelers, they journeyed for a full day while looking for him among their family and friends. When they didn't find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. Everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, Child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. Jesus replied, Why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he said to them. Jesus went down to Jerusalem with them and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart. Jesus matured in wisdom and years and in favor with God and with people. So I have a question for us. How do people grow? How do people grow? Well, physically, I know that children grow when you are still growing by eating, you know, Getting a good balanced diet, nutrition, vitamins, exercising. We grow by eating. I guess we still grow, right? I grow because I eat. Uh, we exercise. We read to grow our minds. We study. How do we grow in character, uh, in, in spirit, or faith? You may say the same stuff. We read. We study. We're faithful. We pray. Um, but I want to introduce another idea that growth can actually happen when we are interrupted and disrupted, right? So if you're just in the status quo and you're doing the same thing over and over again, right, that's is, that you get into a state of stagnancy, right? And you won't necessarily grow. So the times that we've grown in our life, the times that I've grown in maturity or grown in character, is when I'm headed in a direction and boom, something happens. Whether that's a crisis, whether that's tragedy, whether that's an accident, whether that's something I didn't expect. When the unexpected interrupts your life, you're forced to not just be in autopilot, but to actually engage with your life and think about the decisions you're gonna make how you're going to respond, to make adjustments and and to be stretched and to be pushed. And in that stretching and pushing and in those kind of adjustments, that's when our heart expands. That's when we grow. That's when our character, because we're challenged, right? And sometimes for those of us who like order step-by-step, you know, tradition, routine, Sometimes we like those things because it puts us in control, right? We're in control. I know this. I know I wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I know then I go and put the coffee in. Then I can go brush my teeth, right? Then I go into my car and I head off to work. As long as we're doing what we know, we have the illusion of control. It's when we're interrupted that we're like, oh, I'm not in control. And our heart either goes into flight, right, or fight, or our heart opens up and says, God, what do I do? So, for instance, even physically, when we work out, our muscles have to break down and literally tear, right, and break down so that when they grow back together, they grow back bigger and stronger. That's that's how you grow when you work out. Uh, In this story, in Luke, we get a snapshot of a growing boy, Jesus. And what's complex, if you ever thought about it, is when Jesus was a baby, did he know everything? Because he was God, right? He was fully God. Here's the complexity, right? Jesus is fully God and fully human. So when he was in a manger, was he like, you know, reciting the scriptures not out loud because he didn't want to freak everyone out. Just <laughs> reciting the scriptures in Hebrew. Right? The prophet Isaiah. La, 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 Right? Did he know... Did he have all wisdom? Right? His mom's doing stuff. His mom and parents are arguing. And he's crying like a baby. But inside he's like, oh, they're just coping. Right? He had all wisdom. And I don't think so. I think Jesus was fully human as well. And there were points in his life where he was completely dependent, completely dependent on his parents to feed him, completely dependent on his parents to change him, to protect him, to care for him, right? And as a boy, his mother guided him, right? And as a carpenter, his father maybe taught him the trade, took him to work with him. After this story, Joseph just disappears. We don't see Joseph again. We see Mary again, but Joseph disappears. Um, But we do hear people refer to Jesus as, Jesus, isn't he the son of a carpenter from Nazareth, right? So we know Jesus is associated with his father Joseph, who's a carpenter. So maybe Jesus learned how to you know, carve wood and and make things. In any event. There's a very human aspect. That sometimes we kind of avoid. Or don't think about. When it comes to Jesus' life. We're just like. Oh. The miracle maker. Right. But that's the miracle of the incarnation. Right. It's God. Fully God. Right. Embodied. Right. Body. And fully human. So. Going back to our scripture, uh, in verse 4 it says, Each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And what we need to know about Mary and Joseph is that every year they made a uh, pilgrimage that faithful people of God made. Um, The verse before this verse says that uh, they completed everything required of them by the law of the Lord. So what we know about his parents is that they were devout Jews. They were good Jews. Faithful, obedient Jews. They did everything required of them um, according to the law of the Lord. And they came and did this pilgrimage um, to Jerusalem every year, as was the custom. So enter the word, but, in verse 4 to 3. But, after the festival was over, and on their way back, they traveled a couple or few days in their family caravan right and they didn't think about a missing Jesus their missing son who wasn't with them they were like oh he must be with friends what a different culture by the way than our culture (laughs) right (laughs) Cammy's in the other room and I freak out where's Cammy where's Cammy don't go outside I close the door right outside strangers danger stranger danger Right, and some of that's realistic, right? Some of that's just we watch too much movies, right? <laughs> and we're overprotective, and we're helicopter parents. Right? In this culture, oh he's probably hanging out with friends, right? Let's just keep going. Whoa, whoa. So it takes them three days before they really realize, oh, he's actually not with us. Man, we gotta turn around and go back to Jerusalem. And when they find him, they found him after three days in the temple. He's sitting in the temple among the teachers and the rabbis. And you just see this little kid. Right? Actually, he was 12 years old. And he's teaching and speaking with wisdom. And all the teachers around him, all the, you know, all the rabbis are amazed. When his parents see him, they're shocked. Right? Shocked. Amazed. But. But. So everything that was ordinary and regular and normal in their lives was interrupted by a but. Because not only is Jesus, and this is an important piece, as his identity is not just fully human, but he's fully God as well. And as being fully God, there's a vision for his life, right? There's a trajectory in his life. There's a mission in his life. To be the savior of the world. To die for people's sins on the cross. And this is an epic vision. This is an epic calling. He's also God. And he's growing up in wisdom and maturity way fast. And everyone's in awe. Everyone's shocked. The normalcy of the day is gone. And you see... Mary tries to speak to him like, I like, I like uh, how it's written here. Child, why you got to treat us like this? Right? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. And then Jesus gives her some lip, kind of. Right? <laughs> why were you looking for me? Did you not know that it was necessary for, to be in my father's house? He just did the Jedi mind trick. Yeah. <laughs> Why were you? You are not looking for me. <laughs> but they didn't understand, right? What he said to them. Because part of their life with Jesus is going to be about mystery. They, they're just not going to know. They're gonna spend a lot of days just in shock. Many more days, just confused. Many more days, not understanding. Like, is he my son? Oh, so cute. I want to care for him and feed him. And then, all of a sudden, he'll bust out in some wise saying, Mm -hmm. and they'll be like, "You're my savior." Right? So confusing. Their life just got messed up. Mystery. And part of growth is honoring the mystery in our lives. Because I think growth, spiritually or as disciples, is not just faithfulness. Like Mary and Joseph were faithful. Everyday faithfulness. But I think it's faithfulness Consistent faithfulness, everyday faithfulness, and plus Holy Spirit power. Right? Being filled with the Spirit. So you're faithful, right? Read the Bible, go to church, pray, pray. Faithful, consistent. Right? But without love, without the Spirit, it's a clanging symbol, right? In Corinthians. But you take that faithfulness and that everyday consistency and you add a little bit of empowerment from the Holy Spirit and you're filled, your life becomes filled with that, Boom. right? Things are going to get crazy. Things are going to get crazy up in here, right? As a church, as a body, we can set up chairs. We can invite people. We can come on time. We can fill out the servant sign-up sheet that I send out, right, and volunteer. You can be the best volunteer in the world. You can be Evan Matsuzawa, volunteering for audiovisual every week, right? I don't even have to to see him signed up. I'm like, Evan's there, right? Evan, Evan, Evan. (laughs) But if there's not an openness, and this is not just Evan, if there's not an openness and a tenderness to the Holy Spirit, right? To being interrupted, to living a life filled with awe and wonder. That's what Christmas is all about, folks. Right? The Magi came and the shepherds came. The visitors came to see this Jesus and they were amazed. Like I bet one of the shepherds was like, I was just watching sheep and all of a sudden I'm here worshiping this baby. What? What just happened? Right? The savior of the world. Everyone's, the world got interrupted by the birth of Jesus. Our lives get interrupted by Jesus and the working of the spirit among us. And we need to be open to being interrupted. Right? Interrupted by love. That's how you grow. See, Mary and Joseph are hobbitses. They're hobbits, right? (laughs) They're plain Jane. They like to eat their second breakfast. They're ordinary. They're peaceful. They're good, faithful Jews who follow the law. And then they went to Bethlehem as was their obligation and their duty. And they take Jesus to the temple, as was customary by law, and have him ritually cleansed cleansed after circumcising him. On the eighth day, he's 12 years old, and that's what happened. That's what you do with Jewish boys at that age. And in fact, in Luke, Luke is probably the, you know, we get the best, During Christmas time, you have lots of scriptures from Luke because you get the best infancy narrative, right? Um, There are others in Luke in this infancy narrative of Jesus who have been faithful, devout servants of the temple for years, right? They're ordinary, devout people. Zachariah and Elizabeth were both righteous before God blameless in the observance of the Lord's commandments and regulation. Simeon was righteous and devout. He had been waiting for uh, the reconciliation, the restoration of Israel for his whole life before he got to see the coming of the Messiah. Anna, also in Luke, was an 87-year-old widow who had been in the temple every day since her husband's death. All of these people have their lives interrupted by the Spirit of God. Something was happening. A new day was dawning. A plan was unfolding. They're made to see the kingdom of God fresh and anew, beyond their expectations, beyond what their years of faithfulness has taught them. And then Jesus in the temple. So Luke is the gospel of the Spirit. So there's all throughout Luke, you'll hear references to the Holy Spirit, you'll hear references, you'll read references of people filled by the Spirit. Now Jesus filled in the Spirit said this and that. Um, and it's no, it's no wonder that you know, Luke, Acts are actually um, two books that are supposed to be one, right? Book one, book two, Luke and Acts. And Acts is right the story of the Holy Spirit, Empowering the church to be in existence. Alright, So in uh, chapter one, verse fifteen of Luke, John the Baptist will be filled by the Spirit um, before he's born. In one seventeen, uh, he will go forth equipped by the Spirit and power of Elijah. That's of John the Baptist. In one thirty-five, Mary says, "How can this be?" And the angel responds, "The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High." Will overshadow you in 142 Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit when she hears Mary's voice and the baby leaps in her womb with joy in chapter 1 verse 67 Zachariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy in chapter 2 verse 25 Simeon is waiting for the restoration of Israel the Holy Spirit was upon him and spoke to him that he won't die until he sees the Messiah. And then in 2, verse 27, Zechariah, led by the Spirit, uh, or Simeon, led by the Spirit, goes to the temple. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Simeon, Anna, all faithful, all devout people who are interrupted and surprised by joy, surprised by the coming Messiah, and are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, I leave us with this. Growth equals consistent faithfulness plus Holy Spirit. Right? And our natural response is, well, Dave, how can I capture that Holy Spirit? How can I lasso the Holy Spirit, right, and harness the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit? What must I do to be granted the Holy Spirit? To have all Holy Spirit power upon me so I can be the most powerful Christian ever. Show me the way of Holy Spiritness, so I can grow and be so. It sounds like Peter, right? Don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me. Right? Wash all of me. Jesus is like, get away. Right? Simon the magician, right? Give me that power. And that's exactly it. It's a mystery. Right? Love is a mystery in things. I have a friend in high school, uh, we're still friends, and in high school we were like deep. We used to spend the night at each other's house, young knows, like and talk deep philosophical things about girls, about love. David. And he's not he's not a believer. Um, but we talk about love and stuff like that. And I'd always use this analogy about love. It's, love isn't just something that you pay for and you get. You get that package of love, right? So if there was a girl, it, we mostly talk about girls. Like This girl, you know, that notion of falling in love or love at first sight, you possess that love. It's either yes or no, right? That's one way of looking at things. But the, what I used to say is, love is a tree, right? Deep, right? <laughs> love is a tree, right? And you can have a, lo- a tree with anyone, right? It can start off as a sapling or a seed. You have a tree with anyone. And the difference is whether you, grow, you water that tree, nurture that tree, and grow that tree. It's the relationship, right? And that tree can grow. Maybe you hate that person in the beginning. But somehow the tree starts growing. And the love grows and grows. So it's not something to be possessed. There's not like a finite measure uh, box that it never changes. Love or no love. Or 50 love versus 60 love. It's love is a tree between you and another person. And it grows and it grows or it doesn't grow. Right? And we'd be like, oh... Yes, love is a tree. And then, but behind that is that love is the mystery in things, not the identity, right? We think that love is something we can collect and know and possess. That's what jealousy is, right? I don't have it. Give it back to me. I need it where love actually thrives under mystery, right? It's when you don't know and don't understand that that love grows. Does that make sense? Growth equals consistent faithfulness plus the X factor, basically. And the X factor is the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And we need to be open to watering that and nurturing that. And that means taking risks. That means being vulnerable and open. Um, but in this season, um, as the Christ child is born, may we open our lives and our heart to new things and, be in, and live lives of, in awe. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you for uh, your, your son. Uh, the gift of your son, and I pray that um, your presence would grow in us like a seed, and grow deep roots in our lives, and grow deep roots among us, and that this tree would grow, that your love would grow in us, and that we wouldn't be satisfied with just status quo or being complacent, but we would allow ourselves to be open to risk and danger and excitement and adventure um, as we're led by you.